going again. <laughs> Woo, happy Tuesday. Hi, this is Dr. Michelle Stafford at World of Smiles, Pediatric Dentistry, and our podcast, Mixed Dentition. And today, my special guest is Catherine Jeffcoat. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you for coming. Thanks for having me. And your business is Pediat Portland Pediatric and Family Nutrition. Yes. And nutrition is a topic near and dear to my heart, so I'm so happy to have you here today so we can talk about things. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So I guess, uh, why don't we start off by you telling our audience a little bit about yourself and your business. Okay. I am, I've been a dietitian uh, nearly 22 years now, which is dating me, but <laughs> I mainly that time has been focused in pediatric nutri nutrition, where I, I have worked at hospitals and, and with baby formula in the last Four years I've worked in private practice and I have offices here in Portland and in Vancouver, Washington. Wonderful. And I, my practice really focuses on helping families. I miss, miss that about working um, in baby formula and at the hospital, so back to helping families and just that more like individual support. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful that you help families with nutrition. And so when families come to you, are they coming with a specific topic or issue to address with you? Yes, most okay. definitely. And probably the main nutrition concerns I hear from families mm -hmm. is their child is a picky eater. Right. Or they have weight concerns with their child. I'm seeing a lot of teen eating disorders and then food allergies or food sensitivities. Those mm -hmm. seem to be the majority of nutrition related concerns parents right. have concerns. Yeah. I hear that every day too. Oh, my child is a picky eater. <laughs> so, yes. so where do you start when a family comes in and they talk about, you know, their child is a picky eater and only wants to eat these five different items? Mm -hmm. How do you begin that process with them? Well, we dig into hopefully discovering where this all began mm -hmm. and then and what the structure is at home. Is it supporting this behavior? Is it making it worse by how parents are responding to it at home? And then we work on ways more about the how of feeding. When it comes to picky eating, I really dig into that how of feeding, as mm -hmm. in um, it goes back to the Ellen Satter, the division responsibility. Ellen Satter is a dietitian and therapist. She's been around since the 80s, yes. writing books and doing research about that feeding relationship with children. And so, that relationship is more that division responsibility. Parents get to decide the what, when, and where of feeding. Mm -hmm. Children decide the how much and if I'm going to eat. And this makes such a huge difference in that feeding relationship. And so parents are no longer short order cooks. Right. They are providing that family meal. The child's coming to the table and they can decide they're not required to have a clean plate or eat everything. They can come to the table and make choices and decide how much. And so this is really a starting point. It's a foundation mm -hmm. of helping these families because um, often how they get there is parents begin, you know, most children go through a typical phase of picky right. eating. And I, I sure know, mine did. Mm -hmm. And it's how parents respond. If they turn into a shorter cook and say, okay, you don't want this, what do you right. want? Right. That will only reinforce if they make a, have a fit, they get what they want. So those fits and that food refusal only keeps happening. And so it doesn't have to be that hard. <laughs> I love that you say that. <laughs> um, my kids are pretty good about trying things. And, you know, sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. But we still require them to try things. And I like how you say, not becoming a short order cook. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of parents fall into that category. They start mm -hmm. just kind of preparing 
separate meals for each mm-hmm. family. It's a lot that's, of work. That's a lot of work and kind of exhausting as, yes. a, as a parent. So Yes, they give you know. up. I don't blame them. Right. <laughs> so that could be really tough. Um, so what about introducing new foods to these kids that you mm-hmm. know, are categorized as picky eaters? Mm-hmm. Are there techniques to introducing new and different foods? Yes, and it certainly it starts with exposure. Mm-hmm. Some children can go from seeing a new food to tasting it all in like one exposure, but some children, especially if there's high sensory components involved, as in they're super smeller, super taster, they're most often making up their mind about how that food's going to taste just by seeing it. Mm -hmm. And so parents are better off um, having family meals, always having a variety of foods on the table, encouraging their child, not forcing it. But that that exposure, as in seeing, is very helpful. Cooking with their kids, finding ways to increase those exposures. Because just by seeing it, smelling it, even touching it, younger kids, we get into food play, ways that after the meal or you could have kids involved with touching their food, more interactive food play. Mm-hmm. And so it's really does take 10 to 15, the research shows it's true, 10 to 15 tries, exposures for a child to accept a new food. Oh, wow. And it's like, I mean, food eating's brand new to kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's the first time they've ever seen something. Just realize if they refuse it, you know, most parents give up after the third time they serve something <laughs> right. and they never see it again. and and they don't have those exposures. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting, 10 to 15 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. So if it's the parent's favorite food, keep serving it, right. keep bringing it out, and make it a neutral experience. Because the biggest mistake parents make is making mealtime anxiety producing, mm-hmm. where what they do as in requiring bites, requiring their child to you know, sit at the table with the food on their plate that makes them uncomfortable. This often can cause anxiety mm-hmm. in children and anxiety sets children up for that fight or flight response, yeah. zaps appetite with that adrenaline rush. The child doesn't have an appetite. So regardless of what it is, they're no longer have an appetite. And so they're not going to eat. Mm-hmm. And I see this happen over and over again, just a real stressful meals. Right, and causing that stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's stressful for the whole family. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's really that's really interesting. Um, so we're going to switch gears from okay. picky eaters and talk about sugar. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you must have an opinion about sugar in our society. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you've been doing this for 22 years, mm-hmm. are you seeing an increase in how much sugar kids are getting now in 2019 mm-hmm. versus, say, 20 years mm-hmm. ago? Mm-hmm. Yes. In 2015, the dietary guidelines for the first time added a sugar component to the recommendations. For us as Americans, the recommendation is to keep our sugar at 10% or less of total calories. Mm -hmm. And so for the first time, it's just been like awareness as in what does that mean and how many grams is that? And, 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 And also the food labels changing to actually require specifying how much sugar is added for um, most, for, for, let's just say a 10 year old child, that's Mm -hmm. roughly 50 grams, 45 grams of sugar or less, or for a four year old, that's more like 25 to 30 grams of sugar or less. And so when you see a food label and it has 10 grams of added sugar, this is just how much, it's just helping parents more balance that out as in trying to make better other choices and I and I hate to like 
you know, sugar is just part of our making food taste good. So I hate parents that feel like they need to do sugar-free everything. Mm -hmm. Then the child, everything feels like they're like not getting any of their favorite foods and they feel um, they're seeking it out other places. But just being aware, like, okay, making some swaps of cereal. Mm -hmm. If your kid likes Cheerios, excellent. Versus the high sugar tricks, you know, you right. can save maybe 10 or 10 grams there. Um, you know, occasionally having a chocolate milk is fine. We don't count fruit sugar or milk sugar. Mm -hmm. We just count added sugar. Okay. And so a chocolate milk, it may have 30 grams of sugar, but half of that's um, milk sugar. And mm -hmm. so it ends up being 15 grams of added sugar. If you need 50, and if the limit is like 50 grams for a day, occasional chocolate milk is fine. So just encourage parents to take it in balance, make some swaps, mm -hmm. maybe pick a, a bar, a snack bar that's a little bit less sugar less versus sugar. the the higher sugar ones. Right. Make some swaps, not having pancakes with syrup every every morning, <laughs> maybe just on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. And these are just ways that just with awareness and some swaps, we can swap it out because uh, the changes were made by the dietary guidelines because the there is they're they're seeing some research with links of high sugar diets to heart disease, to diabetes, to right. and so it's just we as Americans all need to kind of be aware because mm -hmm. sugar is stuck right. in everything. Yes. I guess one of the biggest changes I've seen in my career is just this explosion of candy mm -hmm. everywhere. And now as a parent with kids in school, I feel very strongly when my kids get candy in the classroom mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be a no candy school that mm -hmm. we're in. And then occasionally they have a substitute and they get candy. And I'm like, ah, but I don't want my kids to have that kind mm -hmm. of added sugar. Mm -hmm. So talking about sugar and this increase of sugar, even in my 15 years that I've been practicing and working with kids, mm -hmm. I've seen kids that are struggling with weight mm -hmm. issues, and mm -hmm. I feel like I'm seeing that more and more, mm -hmm. more recently. Is that an issue that you talk to with parents as well and families yes. and work with? Yes, I, I definitely have a lot of families who reach out to me with weight concerns in their child. Mm -hmm. It's always important that when we address weight concerns, we look at not just energy in and energy out. The Really the causes of weight gain, we need to look at the, the stress and bullying in school. This is linked to weight gain in addition to lack of sleep and children not sleeping well. So I just like to kind of look at it as a whole picture. I mean, certainly there are families that, you know, the diets are, are changing, they are eating more sugar, so we can address certain things as are we doing more fast food? Are we doing more? high sugar, are there swaps we can make, um, adding more movement, especially here in Oregon, sometimes <laughs> it's seasonal that the kids actually move. Right. And um, so trying to look at all the things, I'm a you know, strong believer in, in genetics too, of looking right. at that, that feature about genetics and how parents grew themselves as children. Right. And also keeping in mind that for a, a girl from eight to 11, um, that pre-puberty state, it's it's all preteens. That's the second biggest growth spurt mm, for kids, right, right. and and so I get a lot of calls around that time that they're noticing their daughter doubling their appetite, gaining more weight. I like to remind them this is this is nature. This is right. this is how the body's intended to grow and to put on 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 fat and estrogen and and for these young girls starting their periods. And so that's just an important awareness for parents to not be too alarmed. Right. It's more harmful to put your child on a diet and restrict and shame them. Yeah. The research shows the long-term effects of that is 
is more negative, mm -hmm. then as the whole, the family just start eating more balanced, mm -hmm. get out for more movement and activity, get, make right. sure your child's getting good sleep. Right. All those are great ways to, to start. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that you're looking at the big picture. I think sleep is so important for our children, especially, and kind of honoring that, you know, the fact that they need, probably need more sleep than mm -hmm. they're getting, especially if they're waking up early for school and things mm -hmm. like that, in addition to diet and movement. And yeah, that's wonderful mm -hmm. that you're looking at the full body. I love that. It all goes together. It all goes mm -hmm. together. For us too as moms. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so true. So Catherine, as we, we've talked a lot about a few things today, and I wanted to just revisit a couple of our topics and maybe give our listeners a couple tidbits of advice. So for picky eaters, for instance, can you give our family members listening a couple? Yes. Tips? Yes. Um, have family meals. Eat with your children. That. Serve a variety of foods. And so that's what the family meal does. Mm -hmm. It brings families together. Parents are good role models. Yes, parents are good role models. And what about sugar and addressing that in addition to you know kids that may be a little bit overweight? Well, with, with sugar in general, just being reading food labels, mm -hmm. see if you can swap, swap some foods out where you just really won't miss, miss the changes. And if you know weight concerns involved, then it's the whole family eating that way. It's not one specific child and family in whole can benefit from reducing sugar, but just by making a few swaps mm -hmm. of some foods in, they have in the pantry. Yeah, that's great. I love that you talk about swapping foods out, Catherine. I think that's so great. I think for, you know, for me, when I'm talking to families, when they talk about candies and fruit roll-ups, like how about we switch that out with some real fruit mm -hmm. and do it. And I love that you talk about doing a swap mm -hmm. and talking about the whole family too, because kids will do what they see parents doing. And you can't ask a child not to drink soda pop if dad's drinking a six pack of Coca-Cola yes, every day. Exactly. So just exactly. parents are great role models. You mm -hmm. really nailed it with that. So thank you. Well, thank you, Catherine, for being on our podcast today. And if any of our audience members would like to learn more information, what is your website? My website is portlandpediatricnutrition.com. Find me on Instagram at pdx under slash nutrition. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners out there. And remember, fill the world with smiles. I think it's a full moon, something with that oh. full moon. Blah, 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 blah.